Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your hosts, Sam and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. How are we doing? Tell me about your feelings. How's it in New York today? I'm not in New York. Yeah, I know, but that's what news anchors say, do they not? They're like, what's the weather like, Sonia? (laughs) (laughs) It's nearly fall. I'm back to being the Toronto weather girl in everyone's lives. And I'm just really kind of yearning to go to New York in the fall. Does that make sense? Maybe that's why I brought it up. I'm very excited to talk about today's episode, though. Like, this is a good time in the stock market. This is when everyone is coming back together. Do you know when you when you have like low morale and everyone's kind of like the sky is gray, the water doesn't taste so good, you don't hear the birds chirping for a couple of months and you're like, where is everything heading? Yeah, a Toronto winter. <laughs> Why is everything related back to Toronto weather? Because you're talking about weather. You brought it up. I am talking about the drought that we are experiencing with IPOs, which for those that are wondering, like, what is this jargon term? What does that mean? IPOs are a time when companies are like, okay, we're going to go public. We're going to get excited. We're going to have our shares of our company available for everyone. And when we have lots of IPOs, that's kind of like the gold rush in the stock market. It's kind of like when everyone's excited to be back, everyone's like, yay, things are happening and I'm going to grow my money. Now, have you ever wondered, can I strike next with the big IPO? Well, some recent data has found that there has been a shift in the IPO landscape with companies like Instacart breaking a two-year IPO drought. They have raised a staggering $660 million. And so we're going to be unpacking today the buzz around Instacart's IPO, what it means for the future of the stock market. And more importantly, is now the right time to start investing in IPOs since they're coming back in fashion? Let's get into it. Now, I like to think of IPOs as really big parties. I love the party analogy where a company invites everyone to invest in it for the first time. It's a way for companies to raise money and let regular folks like us become part owners. Now, the term IPO drought is exactly how it sounds. It's like saying there haven't been many of these parties happening lately. It's like a dry spell for new stock market debuts. And it can happen for a few different reasons. One is economic uncertainty. So during times of economic instability, companies may be hesitant to go public because they aren't sure about what investor appetite looks like and what the future performance of their stock look like as well. Another reason could be market conditions. You know, they're analyzing the overall market and they're like, you know what, there's a lot of stock market volatility and that can deter companies from conducting IPOs because they might not get the valuations they want for their company. Another reason I just mentioned this, but to go into it further, is investor sentiment. So if investors like us, we're less interested in new stock offerings, it can make it harder for companies to achieve their IPO price. And It can happen for a lot of different reasons. If we're heading into a recession and extreme economic uncertainty, we're trying to 
kind of be stable with where we're putting our money. It's not exactly a time if you're living paycheck to paycheck and you're still putting a little bit aside if you can to invest. You're not going to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to invest in this new company. Let's see where this new thing goes. It's not the right time. I have a feeling that when we're in a drought, it's probably all three of those reasons combined. Recently, a company called Calvio, which is a global technology company that provides marketing automation, they use primarily for email marketing or SMS marketing for other companies. They're based in Boston. They filed for IPO, as did Instacart, which Sim will get into in just a sec. And this is actually a huge deal because there hasn't been a notable venture-backed tech IPO in the United States since December 2021. And that was when a software vendor, HashiCorp, debuted on the NASDAQ. With that being said, are you here to tell the audience how Instacart started the IPO? It's so interesting because when you see IPOs like happen, it's like, okay, the market's good. It's amazing. Now that there's been this drought, people are like, okay, it's kind of sad. When Instacart announced that they were going to IPO, I think everyone saw a little like resurgence of hope. And they were like, is this the end of this horrible time in the market where things are not doing so well? We just want the parties to start again. Now, the Instacart story is quite interesting. The CEO, he used to work at Amazon, so he's an ex-Amazon employee. He started 20 companies that failed before Instacart took off. And he was living in San Francisco and he was saying that he went to his fridge and he was like, I just have a bottle of hot sauce in my fridge. There is nothing in my fridge. And surely I'm not the only person that's feeling this way. It was 2012. He was like, everything else is becoming available online. Like online shopping is everything that we can imagine and more, but you can't get groceries online. And so that's what the purpose of Instacart was to make, I guess, an instant cart or grocery cart available that you could purchase things from and they arrived to your door. And his story made me, it just made me laugh, but it was also quite wholesome because he would say that he was the customer service person. So he'd respond to people. He was the buyer. So if someone was like, hey, I want these groceries, he would go and buy them. And he was also the delivery person. So he was taking people's orders, picking up people's orders and letting them know that their orders had arrived and answering questions. And he said once at the very start of his journey, this just blows my mind. He was doing this customer service call. It was taking quite a while. And by the time he was done, he didn't realize he was cooking something on the stove and his kitchen went on fire and his house flooded because of it. Oh my God. That is dedication. That is a dedicated person, right? And so Instacart began trading on the NASDAQ stock exchange. They will have the ticker symbol CART, C-A-R-T. They sold 22 million shares at $30 each, which means they raised $660 million. And the company itself was valued at a cool $9.9 billion, which sounds amazing. But two years ago, do you remember when we had the big tech rise? Everything in tech was doing amazing. If you had a golden retriever that had an app, it would be worth like $4 million just for the sake of it. His company did drop from $39 billion in valuation two years ago. So had Instacart IPO during the IPO hike, they would have done better. But it's kind of making people wonder, are we going to rebound? Are we going to see things getting better? Personally, one of the things I look for for an investment is a good 
leadership team and a good founder story. And I just feel like the guy that let his kitchen burn down for a good customer service experience, I think he's got a few notches under his belt. I'm a sucker for a good leader. I feel like everyone knows that and I can really see him in company meetings or when they're doing like their final meeting before their new fiscal year starts. I feel like everyone will be crowded around in a break room just like wanting to talk to him after a big speech. I also believe that he would cry during said speech. So I would never let anyone forget that story if I was him. I'd be like, my kitchen literally caught on fire and you're telling me you can't stay an hour back? I'm totally kidding. I wouldn't. I probably would, but (laughs) that just speaks to me. So I guess people might be listening here and then wondering, well, how did a company like them even rise to fame? Like, sounds like they've got a cool origin story. Sounds like, you know, they've taken off. The shares are available now. But how did this all happen? Like, how did they get to be the ones that broke through the drought? I am so glad that you asked because I've been dying to say this. I feel like everyone is going to guess how they rose to fame, essentially, and that is the pandemic, you know. It was a sad time for most of us, but I feel like for businesses, also with GTI, (laughs) we were born in the pandemic too. It was really just like a creativity idea storm. So Instacart saw that lots of people, yeah, they were tired of going to the store because they had busy lives. But during the pandemic, it became an issue of safety. You know, it was safer to stay at home. There was a lot of people who weren't able to like line up for the grocery store. They didn't have family members that could do their shopping for them. So it appealed to a lot of people because it was so accessible. And Instacart was like, hey, we're going to make it easier for you to order your groceries online and deliver to your doorstep. So during the pandemic, they did partner with big grocery chain stores, which gave them good publicity as well because they're doing a new thing, a good thing to get food into people's homes. And they hired shoppers, which also helped with employment, like hello. And all you had to do is order and boom, your groceries show up at your door. And they kept innovating during the pandemic too. They added new stuff like same day delivery and even alcohol delivery in some places. I bet some people would just order the alcohol and that's fine. You know, you have to get through lockdown somehow. And they just made life a lot more convenient. You know, who wouldn't want a personal shopper for your groceries? Who wouldn't want that, especially during a global pandemic? Now, because of how well it was doing and this hype around Instacart, they really did believe that their business was worth a lot. But investors, they were hesitant to pay the initial high price that they'd put out for their shares. Again, I want to go back to, it's not like we're being purposefully stingy. And I say we because I am so included in this. It's because you would want your money to go to more, I guess, relevant things in your life at that stage. A lot of people weren't working. A lot of people were laid off. This is when the government was giving out money to citizens, a monthly payout, and that was a whole debacle. So Instacart had two choices. They could either stick to their high stock price, but that might mean that fewer investors would be interested, or they could lower their price of their shares, making them more affordable for a wider range of investors. 
And I'm proud to say that Instacart went for the latter. They dropped their stock price significantly and that appealed to more everyday folk, but it also appealed to big investors as well. And that move, not only did that help them raise more money and grow their business further, it's a bit like offering like a special deal at your restaurant to bring in more customers. The lower price attracted more people to their company. Now... When businesses do well, I can use Uber as an example as well, a lot of people like to try emulate their business and emulate their plans because they're like, hey, I want a piece of this pie. I notice all the problems that your company has, I can fix them. Or when like bigger companies are like, you know what, why can't we take the plunge and try this out? If it doesn't work out, that's fine because we already have XYZ streams of income. We can just try it and see what happens. And that's exactly what happened in the grocery delivery service. I feel like some people, when they hear me talk about Instacart, they're probably like, okay, but did you hear about Amazon Fresh? Well, this is exactly why you keep listening and not just make smart judgments as I am at telling stories. But yeah, so a lot- Why are you so mean to the listeners? (laughs) I mean, because I'm assuming what some smart people might say and I'm defending myself. There's nothing wrong with that, Amalia. I'm just going to let these people think badly about me. I'm stopping those thoughts immediately. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win-win-win. To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. Anyways, as I was saying, one of Instacart's main rivals is Amazon Fresh, which is like the grocery arm of the big online shopping giant that is Amazon that offers next day delivery on a plethora of different things from like walking pads, which is like those like treadmills that you can have under your desk to now groceries. Do you have one? No, I have a gym downstairs that I pay for with my monthly rent. So I do that. (laughs) I sounded so miserable when saying that. I'm so grateful to be living where I live. Now there's also Walmart grocery and that's like a digital version of your local Walmart store and they offer pickup services they offer grocery delivery as well Walmart is really popular because it is very affordable and then you've got companies like Shipt which is owned by Target they're all about delivering your groceries fast honestly it's like you know how you think of a pizza place and you think of Pizza Hut and Domino's and other places but there's literally a hundred different restaurants that specialize in pizza that's exactly what's happening in the grocery delivery business so we've got plenty of options now it does make you wonder 
like, is this a product or is this a company that has a really good moat? It does really make you wonder, is this IPO going to be successful now that that IP has happened? Should I be investing into the shares of Instacart? And we get this question a lot, you know, should I buy this IPO? I know this one's just happened. Should I buy into it now or for the next IPOs that are coming up now that the drought might be over? Should I be jumping in? There's always three things to consider. The first is, in this case, what other investors think. Now, there was research done in an online journal that highlighted the importance of investor perception towards IPOs. So you want to know what do other people think about a company's reputation? What do other people think about their past performance? And what do other people think about the market sentiment? So in this case, you might be wondering, well, does Instacart have a good reputation? If you search up Instacart bad PR or bad press, what comes up? You've also got to look at their past performance. How have have they been going? You know, they've been working towards profitability. Have they been profitable for a while? Is this something that's going to continue? Because at the end of the day, you as one individual might think the share of this company is amazing. I want to buy it and I think it's going to grow. But if everyone else around you thinks that this company is doomed, they're going to sell their shares and if more people are selling their shares and buying them, then that leaves your shares with less money. The second thing that I like to look at is the market conditions. So yes, a company might be amazing, but is that an amazing company in a really bad economic time? Or is that an amazing company during a time where cash is flowing everywhere? That does make it a little bit harder. IPO droughts occur for a reason, and that's because no company wants to take on the bet of putting themselves out there and then no one has money to invest into them. So it can influence the performance of Instacart's IPOs. I mean, from the day that they launched to the day that they closed, they actually dropped down 10%. Shares weren't looking too good. That is pretty common, though. Usually people that get given shares from the company end up selling on IPO day. So it's not the end of the world, but it's not favorable market conditions. And then the last thing that you want to look at is the valuation analysis. So when you are looking at a company that goes public and more and more companies are going public and that's increasing, there's things called overvaluations that you need to be aware of. So you want to make sure that Instacart isn't a company that's saying that they're worth, you know, 9.9 billion, but they're actually worth 5 billion. I would say that dropping down from 39 billion earlier in the pandemic to 9.9 now is a good indication that they're no longer overvalued. And as Sonia said, they had to consider if investors would even buy into them and they dropped their share price. So I think that they kind of have done a good job in the space, but you want to make sure any company that you invest in that's IPOing has a good broker that they're working through. You want to read their prospectus very carefully. What are they saying? Are they indicating a good market? Are they kind of saying read between the lines? We're going to struggle a little bit. And it's always important to just exercise caution and consider the long-term potential. I think Warren Buffett said this quote once that sticks with me, which is don't buy a share of that company because you think it will do well for a year or two, only buy shares in a company if you would buy the entire company yourself. Like Sonia, if the CEO of Instacart was like, hey girl, I think you can take this company. Would you like to buy it off me? Would you want to own that company as if you bought the whole thing? I'm going to actually have to say no. And not because I don't think that they've done good things or that they're doing good things. And I really do like the leadership stories that they have, but it's because they don't have 
as many revenue streams as I'd like. I like that Walmart has different leagues to stand on and they're not just relying on grocery delivery. I like that just like Apple, they've got different revenue streams on how they're making money as a company. Instacart has its delivery fees. It has markups on certain prices. It's got subscription fees. And of course, you've got ads in the app, but it's still one service, you know? And if not many people are using the service, if they're going to competitors, what else can you say that will keep you afloat? Just imagine all of America wake up tomorrow and they're like, I don't want my groceries delivered anymore. That's very true. I can't imagine that happening, but that's very true. Yeah, for 300 million people, but still. It also makes you wonder, well, you know, like Instacart has one thing that if you do this in your business, it does make you more likely to succeed. I forget the word. It's like first movers advantage or like just being the first in the market. And by doing that, people know your brand first. And so at least there's that like loyalty towards it. They have a large percentage of market share. I think it's like 68% compared to the others, but that's right now. And as everything continues to move online, I just hope if I was to decide if I'd be investing in or buying the entire company, I would look into what are they doing to keep that advantage? Because it doesn't take too much, like you said, from these other larger giants who have much more disposable income and cash from all their other business practices. I mean, Apple could start a delivery service tomorrow. Why not? And be like straight from your iPhone. They could have an exclusive partnership with target and start doing that i'd use it i'd use it yeah it is just a little bit risky but i hope that from this episode you've been able to take away a couple of things i mean we've got the ipo drought it wasn't a fun time there were no parties we weren't being invited anywhere and then suddenly our saturday night started to get a little bit busier because instacart decided to ipo i always mispronounce is it clavio the email service clavio clavio yeah whatever you say. (laughs) I always find that they were such an interesting company. But again, you know, these aren't the biggest names in the market. This is not the excitement that we're hoping for. This is not something as large as, this is not the Apple IPO. This is not the Google IPO day. Very recently in the last couple of years, we had Airbnb IPO. That was a really big time. I hope that the IPO drought has stopped. I hope that we see more companies coming out of the woodworks but do you think they will? Do you think we're going to see more IPOs in 2024? I think so. Maybe not the full rebound. I thought you were going to say the rest of 2023. And I was like, no. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. 2024. Please. (laughs) Please. If you're a founder of a company and you are like, should we IPO? Yes, please. We're waiting. (laughs) Give us something exciting. Give us drama. All right, I feel like this is probably a good place to wrap up the episode. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, if you've been able to learn something new, if you're interested in investing in new IPOs coming up, or you know someone that would be, please take a screenshot, tag us on Instagram, send it to a friend. It helps us grow the channel, which then helps us get more exposure, which then helps us reach more people and get more money into the hands of women and minorities. So that's what we're all about. And I'll see you next week, Sonia. See you next week, Sim. Bye. Bye. And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer. 
Skills That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. Alrighty, till next time team, bye.